Well, good morning. It is good to see you again this morning. Glad to be here sharing the Word of the Lord with you. If you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 1. We're going to be looking back in the book of James. We use the word pure a lot in life. Uh, we, We use it for a lot of different things. When we're talking about gold, we talk about pure gold, and we know the pure gold uh, is gold that doesn't have uh, as many infirmities in it. The purer it is, the more uh, uh, of worth it is. Uh, we, we advertise food products as pure. There's pure honey and uh, there's uh, pure milk. Uh, we, we talk about music and we use the word pure with music. You know, we're listening to pure country or we're listening to pure rock. You know, and, and if you're not a fan of one of the other of those, you know the other one's not pure in your mind. But we use those terms in our, our, our head. Uh, we use pure for a lot of different things. We use it in athletics. A guy's got a pure jump shot. Or have you ever hit a pure golf shot? I think about four years ago, I hit one of those. I mean, you know, we use those things for a lot uh, of things in, uh, in life. Uh, and we know what we're meaning when we say this. We know that something is authentic when it's pure. Something's valuable when it's pure. Something's real when it's pure. And so an artist or a musician or a treasure hunter or an athlete, they're all looking for that pure sound, that pure taste, that pure feel. uh, Now I want to say, I'm going to stop just for a second. Guys, I love y'all. Y'all must be the most awesome folks in the history of the planet. I have never had people sit this tight on the front pew, ever. I mean, this is as good as it gets right here. So all y'all in the back, we got, we're waiting for you next week. But anyhow, so we, 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 we love the concept of purity. Now, but, but as much as we use this concept in areas of our life, we don't use that term connected with the word religion very often pure religion. Uh, in fact, it's something we only hear a couple times in all scripture, but we find it in our passage today in James chapter one is, is James is driving home a point that there's an authentic, a valuable, and a real religion. And that's what people should seek to find. Something that's real. Something not phony, something not just a Sunday, something not that is, I'm just trying to put on type of religion, but a real authentic faith. Now, if you've been here the last couple of times I was here, you know that I'm in the middle of walking you through the book of James verse by verse. So if you have your Bibles, you can follow along in the book of James. We're going to be uh, in the first chapter today. And one thing you notice quickly when you walk through the book of James is James deals with contrast. Uh, rich people and poor people. He talks about those who handle trials well and those who handle trials poorly. He, he talks about the wise man and the foolish man. He talks about those who use their words to bless people and those who use their words to curse people. He talks about wisdom of the world versus the wisdom of God. All throughout the book, he, he talks about these great contrasts. And here in our section today, he's going to come to another contrast, one between pure religion and worthless religion. Uh, listen to what he says in verse 26. Religion is useless. This man's religion is useless, and he deceives himself. But pure and undefiled religion before our God and Father is this. Hey, there is a certain type of religion that's pure. Now, I just want you to think about this statement for a second, okay? 
Is there a more offensive statement in our culture than that first phrase? His religion is worthless. I mean, think about in our politically correct culture, if we had a panel of people, we had a Buddhist, we had a Muslim, we had a Jewish man, and we had a Christian, and the Christian in the middle of this conversation stood up and said, guys, I just want to tell you, we're trying to play nice and get along, but I think your religion is absolutely worthless. That wouldn't fly in our society. We're a very politically uh, correct, correct people. Uh, imagine if, you know, he told the Muslim man, Muhammad wasn't a prophet. It's a waste of your time, Jewish man, to go to the temple or to go to the synagogue. This is as politically incorrect as you can get, and yet this is what James says. I love when Mormons come to my house. I know that is strange, but I love to see the bicycle in the suits. I do, because people are coming to my house to talk to me about Jesus. See, I have to go find people to talk about Jesus, but they're coming to my house to talk. And I love talking with them when they come. Now, I want you to understand that there are a lot of differences between Mormons and Christians, but, but I do, I like those guys because they're nice people. I mean, they really are. I mean, they make great neighbors. I mean, you know, they keep the yard clean. They respect your property. They, uh, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Good, good folks. I enjoy them. So when they come over, I love talking about the Bible with them. Now, one of the things you'll notice about Mormons is they use terms like we use, but they use them in different ways. They talk about testimony, and that's much different than what we're thinking about of a testimony. They talk about grace, but they mean something different with grace than we mean with grace. And so I love when they get there and we're talking together and I'm explaining our faith is not about God cleaning you off and then now you have to be good because that's kind of what they believe. If you're going to get to the magic level of heaven, then you've got to be really, really, really good. And you might not make it at all if you're not. Man, I don't believe that at all. I believe I'm going to heaven for one reason and one reason only, because Christ has done something for me. He's cleansed me of my sin. He's made me whole. It's not because I'm good. It's not because I'm worth it. It's not because I'm smarter. It's not because I'm better. I'm saved purely because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love that. But I love when they're sitting there. We're talking. We're having a good time. And one time these guys came up to my house, and my wife, she knows I can't have a five-minute conversation with anybody. I'm a two-hour kind of guy. And she said, Nick, I don't mind you talking to them, but would you, it's a nice day. Would you just have them sit like out on the back porch? I'm like, all right. Yeah, that's friendly. Hey, you know, hey guys, come on around to the back of the house. We'll sit on the porch. <laughs> My wife doesn't let Mormons inside. But anyhow, <laughs> what a way to witness to people. But I understood it was because the house wasn't clean. And I think we've covered this before. But anyhow, I go around, I sit on the back porch and get my big tea, some things I don't give when I'm talking to people. But anyhow, I'm drinking my big tea, I'm talking to them, we're going through the niceties and it's going well. And they're getting a little frustrated because every time they'd try to do an end around, I would block them. And every time they'd try to go, I'd block them again. We were just talking, having a good time, and finally they got frustrated and said, what do you believe about the prophet Joseph Smith? I said, well, I believe he's a heretic and a liar and he's in hell right now. That's what I believe about him. That does not win you friends. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't. That's politically incorrect to say that a person's religion is worthless. And yet that's exactly what James does in this section of Scripture. And I hope this doesn't trip you up. And please, please just listen to the Word of God today. Listen to what the Scripture says. Because that's all I'm going to do is point out what the Bible says today. 
And another sticking point is this word religion, because all of our life, religion's been used with this negative term, right? You know, in the New Testament, religion was evil, right? I mean, you know, religious people pray with these flowery words, and they try to impress you. And it, were the, it was the religious people who tried to trip Jesus up. It was the religious people who crucified him. And so all of my life, I've heard religion bad, Jesus good, right? And that's why we say something like this. Christianity is not so much about a religion as it is about a relationship. And yet here we come to a passage of Scripture where he's talking about pure religion. Don't get tripped up by that term either because if somebody came to your door and asked you, what religion are you? You don't say, I'm not in a religion, I'm in a relationship. What do you say if a census person comes to your house? I'm a Christian. James is just using this term in this broad, general way. So don't let this trip you up. Uh, But here's what he's doing. What he is doing is he's going to make the case that not everyone who has a form of religion has a pure religion. Not everyone who has the label Christianity has an authentic relationship with Jesus. So here's the million dollar question today, right? How do you know? I mean, because really, it's not so much that I know if you've got pure religion. You've got to know if you've got pure religion. It's about me knowing if I have it. So today, I'm not here throwing stones at you and trying to make you... Today, I'm looking at the Word of God to look at my own heart and my own life to make sure if I have been touched by Jesus Christ, that that touch has changed me to a point that I can say God has really done a work in my life. So what does he say? Now, it's going to get sticky right here off the bat. He shows some characteristics of people who have pure religion, and the first one is this. They deal constructively with their anger. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Right? Listen to what he says. Very next verse where we left off. Verse 18. Did I get ahead? I said verse 18. I got ahead of you. I left out this verse. That's all right. Go forward to the next one. Verse 19. I'm sorry. My dearly loved brothers, understand this. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Now, this is a great big uh-oh for a lot of us because it angers some of your weak spots. Anger is one of mine. I, I, I know this is stupid, but I get mad in traffic. <laughs> People drive like they drive just to make me mad. <laughs> Don't you believe that? Yesterday, I was on the Bluegrass Parkway, and I was behind this guy, and he he was driving a little slower than I was. And I was trying to just stay in behind him. I didn't want to cut him off. You know, you're in a four-lane traffic. You want to let the guy flow naturally. You don't want to cut him off too quickly. But, I I mean, every time he would get behind traffic, he would slow down like five to six miles an hour. And so my crews would pull me up on him. I would put my blinker on. I would turn out to the left. And as soon as I would turn out to the left, he'd cut me off. And then he would take off like 10 miles faster than me. I've got my crews on until I have to stop for him when he pulls out in front of me. But then he pulls back in. He starts slowing down again. 
I come up on him. He does this four times, and I've told my wife, he's just doing this to tick me off. (laughs) Y'all know those folks. Y'all might be some of those folks. But anyhow, I I can get angry over... Sometimes I can get angry with my kids. Man, I used to really feel guilty when they were little because they don't know any better. I don't feel nearly as guilty as I used to. But sometimes I still feel that in me. You know better. A lot of times my anger is over little things, small things. This week I got really mad over something really stupid. It, and, and guys, I just want to tell you, this is not how a person with faith should act. I can't excuse it. And I can't ignore it. I can't say, well, that's just the way I am. The Bible says, be slow to speak. I think the Bible says it does. (laughs) Quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Why does James, let's, let's, let's stop on this for a second. Why does James make such a big deal about anger? I mean, listen, I set this up saying, you want to know if you have the real deal or not? You shouldn't be blowing your top all the time because that's not the way a real Christian acts. Why is it such a big deal? Well, guess what he does? It's the Word of God. He tells you why. Beautiful. Listen to what he says next. He says, for a man's anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Anger doesn't make you more godly. Have you ever seen someone blowing their top and thought, wow, that's pure Jesus? I mean, I never do that. And then anger leads to evil actions. Notice verse 21. Therefore, rid yourself of all moral filth. Have you ever noticed how closely connected anger and talking too much and and not being patient? Have you ever noticed how quickly that can lead you to doing wrong things? Anger leads to fights, harsh words, stirs mobs. It leads to evil excess. Maybe even more harmful as it keeps you from receiving the word of God. And that's why he says, okay, the rest of this verse. Humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save you. You know, shut up and listen. Don't let your emotions get out of control so that you can hear the word of God. I told you this week that I kind of lost it. I want to tell you I was right in the losing it. I was in the right and I was right. And I was trying to prove to the other person that I was right. It was something about church. And I was telling it to another friend because I just needed advice. And I was telling it to this other friend. And I said, man, you know what they did? You know how they had it? He said, what'd you do? And I said, well, I kind of got frustrated. And I began to tell him, here's why it's wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong. And my friend dropped a truth bomb that at the time I didn't hear. He said, Nick, it doesn't sound like you were being very patient or loving at the time. Well, at that moment, I didn't hear him. I, was just, I went on trying to prove that I was right. But, I, but did you hear what he did? Did you hear what he said? Did you hear how stupid he was? Did you hear how wrong he was? It wasn't until later when I was sitting reflecting on our conversation after I'd kind of calmed down and said, my friend didn't take my side that I realized he was sharing the word of God with me. 
And my anger was like spiritual earplugs. That's the way it is, isn't it? When we get angry, we don't hear the word of the Lord. That's why we have to deal constructively with our anger. Uh, And and if this is the gauge, if your faith uh, is real, is it affecting the way that you deal with that emotion? Now, don't hear me wrong. Are you saying that if I ever get mad, I'm not a Christian? No, 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 no. Because remember, we have two natures. We have an old nature and we have a new nature. And until we die and go to heaven, those two natures are going to be within us. But what I am saying is the believer can't excuse themselves when they pop off. We can't excuse ourselves when we hold a grudge. We can't excuse ourselves when we are angry. We cannot. Real faith does not. Number two, real faith, excuse me, let's go, let me show you some more verses here real quickly. Here's the contrast again. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man holds it in check. In Ephesians, he says, be angry, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, deal with it. And then again, reminder, everyone quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. Number two, people who have real faith are submissive to the Word of God. As important as it is to be able to hear the Word, it's even more important to do the Word. James says in James 1.22, he says, Be doers of the Word and not hearers only. You're deceiving yourself if all you do is listen to the Word. Now, if this passage seems familiar, it's because I've shared it three times since I've been here in different messages. Uh, I don't know if you remember, I, I talked about buying some exercise equipment back around Christmas time. And, you know, I was going to get in shape. I was going to do better. And for two weeks, man, I was on it. You know, but I had to buy exercise equipment because my schedule's way too busy to wake up early and go exercise somewhere, you know. And have you ever noticed it only seems like skinny people are exercising at places? And so I just didn't want to be, so, so I bought my treadmill and I put this thing in the back corner of my house and I was going to use it and it was going to help and now it's a coat rack, you know? Listen, that's the way we are with the Word of God a lot. We hear it, but we don't put it into practice. The Word of God was not simply for your entertainment for one hour a week. The Word of God is to be lived by, by believers. People who are, are growing in Christ-likeness, who have pure religion, are submissive to the Word of God. James knows that there's this tendency to believe that if we're listening, we're making progress. I brought a treadmill. I must be getting better. Well, not if I don't get on it. I'm going to church. I'm singing songs. I'm listening to a sermon. It does you no good to hear the Word. If you don't put it into practice. That's why this church should never be content with how big the crowd is. If they're not measuring how much change is occurring in that crowd. Jesus didn't call us to make crowds. He called us to make disciples. He ran the crowd off when they weren't willing to follow his words. Are you changing? Are you Becoming like Christ. And then James gives this incredible word picture in verse 23. Listen to what he says. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he he is like a man who looks at his own face in a mirror and then immediately after he sees himself, he, he, he goes away and forgets what kind of man he was. 
Now, this word picture was somewhat relevant then. It's incredibly relevant now because all of us have mirrors everywhere. We have mirrors in our cars. Women, you probably have a mirror in your purse. We have mirrors in our home. We have mirrors. Have you ever, can your phone be a mirror? My kids, they take their picture and look, see what they look like. You know, I mean, we have mirrors everywhere with us in our our society. But back then, only a few people ever saw a clear reflection of their face. Maybe the poor would sit maybe in a wash basin. The real rich would have maybe a polished brass type of mirror on the wall. But very few people saw what they look like. But yeah, we understand this perfectly, don't we? Did you know I know something about you that you might not be aware of? I know exactly how long you spend in front of the mirror each day. I know how long you spend. You stay there until it gets better. (laughs) That's how long you stay there. (laughs) For a few of us, there's not much we can do. You splash some water on your face, oh well. And then you go on. Some of you, you're there a long time because you stay there. You get up, you got the bed hair, and you got the sleep, and you got the, oh my goodness, I got to go to work thing going on. And you stay there until it gets better. Imagine a person waking up, seeing, oh my goodness, who are you? (laughs) And then saying, oh, well, it doesn't matter. I'm going to work. (laughs) Nobody does that. Because when they see, they say, oh, my goodness, there's change that needs to happen. And then they make that change. James says that's exactly what you're like when you hear the word of God. And it shows you where you're in sin and you ignore it. It's like getting up in the morning, going to the bathroom, looking in the mirror, saying you need some work. And marching on. That's worthless. Worthless religion. People with pure religion don't make a habit of ignoring the word of God. And then he says a strange thing in verse 25. He says, but the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom. Now those two words are almost never together. Y'all know which words I'm talking about? Law and freedom. Because The law doesn't feel like freedom a lot of times. The law feels like restrictions. The law feels like bondage. The law feels like oppression. But James says, no, 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 you don't get it. The law is like freedom. I'll never forget one time I was teaching youth back in one of my first churches. And I asked him, I said, hey, guys, here's an index card. I want you to write down what you think the Bible storyline is. And I gave him these index cards. And I said, if you need more, I got plenty. And I, was gonna ha- I thought they would say, God loves us in spite of our sin that he sent Jesus. That's what I thought they'd say. I had a kid write real quickly in about three seconds, flip it back over at me. And I picked it up, and I said, what's this? He said, this is what the Bible says. And I picked it up, you know what it said? No. <laughs> Page two, no. Page three, no. That's what a lot of people hear. They think the Bible is just this book of no's and and you can'ts and don'ts and you shouldn'ts. But the law gives freedom. But it doesn't feel like it instantly, does it? Years ago when we first got married, I was taught to give, save, and live. Give, save, and live because that's what the Bible says. We should give to the Lord, we should save, and then we should live on the rest. That's what we were taught, and that was tough because when I first got married, we had nothing. Literally, my wife and I, we had a rule that we would not spend $2 at McDonald's without telling each other because we didn't have it. We were poor, poor, poor. But we still lived by the principles of the Bible. We gave, we saw, 
Uh, we save, we gave, we saved, and we lived. It felt like bondage. But now, when I don't have debt, now, when I can give freely to those who are in need, now, when if my kids' brakes go out on their car and it costs way too much because I don't know anything about the car and they stick it to me at the place, it's okay. Not that that happened to me this week or anything. Why is it okay? Because I lived by that law which brings freedom. Have you ever seen someone who held on to a wrong that someone else did against them? What's the law say? Forgive as you've been forgiven? That someone holds on to it? You ever watched how bitterness will set in not just to that area of their life, but to lots of areas of their life? But someone who forgives something even heinous They're able to move on and enjoy what God has allowed them to continue to experience. Why? Because the law gives freedom. I want to tell you, as a 16-year-old boy, purity laws didn't feel like freedom. They felt like handcuffs and prison cells. I'll be honest with you. But I tell you what, when you get older and you're married, all of a sudden you're not living with guilt and you're not living with habits and you're not living with shame. All of a sudden you're starting to say, man... The law gives freedom, real freedom. That's what James is saying. Uh, uh, the law of liberty, it, it, it makes sense. To those who follow it, listen to what he says. The person will be blessed in what he does. You follow the Lord, you listen to his word, you hear what he says, and you make your mind up. I know I've got this inclination to spew. I know I've got this inclination to do wrong. I know I've got this inclination to hold a grudge. I know this, I've got this inclination to get even. I know I've got this nature in me, but the law says this is what I should do. And I love the Lord. He has saved me, and I want to follow the law. And when you follow, you're blessed. Pure religion seeks to control its tongue. Verse 26. If anyone thinks he's religious without controlling his tongue, then his religion is useless and he deceives himself. I'm not going to spend much time here because James is going to spend a lot of time on this in chapter 3 and I think I will uh, get there before I, I leave. But the person with pure religion pays attention to what comes out of their mouth. Now, we're not going to be perfect. James says that. In James 3, no man perfects his tongue. So we're not getting to heaven because we're perfect. We're going to heaven because what Christ has done. But if Christ is in you, you want to reflect him. If vulgarity flows freely, if you use your words with the intent to harm, if you're always belittling people, if you're never kind, it's an indication that your religion is worthless. And you might protest, it's not what you say, it's what's in your heart, preacher. Really? Well, let's see what Jesus said. These are his words. What you say flows from your heart. There's one more indicator of pure religion. It's James 1.27. He says, pure and undefiled religion before our God and Father is this. Look after orphans and widows in their distress. I don't believe he's saying that we make ourselves right with God by being kind to widows or orphans exclusively. Because you can, love your widow, you can love widows and neglect your kids. Or you can care for orphans and never think about the homeless. Uh, 
I believe his message is that people with pure religion care for people who can't offer anything in return. That's pure religion. The widow, the orphan, the homeless, the stranger in need, the person who might sit at the wrong lunch table, the person who doesn't live in the big house, the person who maybe would not get asked into the fraternity, the person who doesn't bring anything to the table that will make you look better. Guys, I want to tell you the truth, and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm afraid in this regard the church acts in many ways just like the world. A man of no means comes in with unkept clothes. And where does your mind immediately go? I wonder what they want. Oh boy, I'm going to have to deal with this. A young family drives in. Well-kept SUV. Two kids who are behaving perfectly. And you say, Oh wow, they might help us. Guys, that's not pure. That's about as unholy as we can get, and that's how churches have operated for the last 50 years. James is going to beat us to death next week. So if you have to go on vacation, I understand. (laughs) You pagan. But anyhow, here... James is telling us that we should not get polluted by the world. See, guys, let me, let me just let you in on a little secret. For all of those of you who are socially conservative, Jesus loves the liberal. And for all of you who are liberal, he loves the conservative. And for those of you who have means, he loves the person with nothing. And for those of you who have a lot, he loves you too. Guys, our worth is not found in how we come in. Our worth is found in the one we come in here for. We are worthy because Christ has deemed us worthy Brother, is there any way that we could get back to verse 18? I skipped that, and I don't want to skip it. It's way up there at the front of my sermon, and I will stall until you can find it. (laughs) Guys, I, I want you to hear very clearly what I'm saying today. I'm saying pure religion changes us, but don't think you got your religion because you earned it. Listen to how he prefaced this entire section. By his own choice. Whose own choice? His. Who's his? God, Jesus. By, by, by the Father's, by Jesus' choice. I don't know which one of the his that is. There are three in one, so we will say that's a Yes. By his own choice, he gave us new birth by the message of truth so that we would be the first fruits that he holds up and says, look at these guys. I'm going to heaven not because I'm good. I'm going to heaven not because I can out-argue two guys on a bike. 
I'm going to heaven not because I never spew. I'm going to heaven because of what Christ has done. I fully trust in Christ. But with that said, how can I say I trust Christ and do not the things that he asks? Jesus said it this way. In that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, haven't we done? And he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. I pray that you know the Lord. I pray that he has saved you. And I pray that you are not being deceived. Notice Throughout this chapter, he uses the word deceived. I'll give you a couple of instances. In verse 22, he says, Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Again, in verse 26, he talks about if anyone thinks his religion is with, uh, he is religious and he doesn't control his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. The idea of this verse is not so much this intentional deception to where you're, it's the idea is you're kind of like, pulling a trick on yourself. My daughter loves to pull tricks. My youngest daughter, she's a mess. She really is. She will hide and I'm jumpy. I shouldn't have told y'all that. Should have waited till the last week. But like she'll hide and jump out at me all the time. Still does it. And she's always pulling this kind of stuff. She'll hide my car keys and like, well, dad, I don't, I don't see them. Well, of course you don't see them because you put them behind the couch, you know, type stuff. She'll do that kind of stuff, just messing with me. And then, ah, dad, I got you. <laughs> she went to the county fair a couple years ago and she called me from the county fair. I said, dad, guess what? She said, dad, you know how I've always wanted a rabbit? Yeah, I know how you always wanted a rabbit. I bought two. I could feel it. I was about to blow. Well, you bought two. Who's going to feed them? I'm going to have to take care of it. It was starting to come out. You know, it, was, it wasn't very slow. It was very quick. And she said, Dad, I'm just joking. And I was like, <laughs> bless your heart. <laughs> this word is kind of that trick, trickster type of word. It's kind of what it's used for in the Greek. Now, with that said, he's not talking about somebody, my daughter tricking me or you tricking somebody else. Who's he talking about you tricking? Yourself. Listen to what he says. Do not deceive yourself. When it comes to faith, many people spend their whole life deceiving themselves. They tell themselves they're good with God. They tell themselves they're going to heaven. They tell themselves they have no worries about the future. But deep down, you know, you don't trust Christ. You trust yourself. I'd hate to think that I've been here for nine months and never caused you to ask the question, is my faith real? Now, I'm not asking you to ask that so that I could get 50 people down to the altar. You know, that's not my style. It's not how I judge if I'm being faithful to the Lord or not. But I'd hate to think that you stand before God in eternity. You say, well, I went to church. Wrong answer. I tried to be good. Again, wrong answer. I, I was even, you know, baptized when I was a kid. Man, I love baptism. What a beautiful thing. Awesome. But wrong answer. The only right answer is, do you trust the message of truth? 
that Christ alone can pay for your sin? That's the right answer. And if you trust Him, if it's real, you're going to want to follow Him. Oh, you'll mess up. Yeah. But when you mess up, instead of saying, Ah, it's just the way I am, you'll say, Oh God, I'm sorry. You'll let other people down. But instead of just saying, Well, it doesn't matter. There will be a repentant heart that will say, I'm going to do my best to fulfill the role that God has given me next time. You won't get there before you die. But my problem is I see a whole lot of people who aren't even trying to get there. And I wonder, has God touched you and saved you? Three questions to take away. Number one. I want you to leave this just honestly evaluating your religion. This is not about me figuring you out. This is about me looking at myself and you looking at yourself. Number two, this is heaven or hell. We're not talking about fooling some people so that they think that we're good folks. We're talking about eternal destiny. Just make your decision. One thing I will not do is lie to myself. And then number three, I just encourage you, if you say you're a believer, I pray today would be the start of a new chapter of your life where you say, I'm going to live like I'm a believer. I want to have pure stuff. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to share your word. God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us at this time. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here today who has never trusted the cross, I pray that your Holy Spirit of conviction will do what only you can do and bring real conviction that leads to repentance. And it's your kindness, Lord, that leads us to repentance. Lord, it's... Lord, it's humbling to stand before people recognizing that each and every one of us are having the same conversation or should be having the same conversation. God, I thank you for loving me. God, help me to always examine the way I'm living for you. And Lord, if there's somebody here who doesn't know if they're living for you or or not, I pray, God, that today would be a step forward in their walk of faith. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.